Report in. Red 10 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. You're listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. This is it. He laser clickers. Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Today is, uh, well, it's an exciting day. We are reviewing The Mandalorian Chapter 13, titled The Jedi. I uh, don't know what Jedi that could possibly be referring to. There are but... so many left in the... Wait a minute. Sorry, go ahead, William. There's a few. But yeah, I think we've got one quick... Not quite announcement, but something to potentially look forward to. William, you want to talk about it? Yeah, so we, you know, I think next week we'll, there's so much to talk about today, I don't think we have time. Next week we'll talk about our thoughts on uh, Lego Star Wars, uh, the holiday special, which was, which came out last week. So much stuff going on. But in the meantime, uh, we actually have rumor uh, that Disney Gallery, the Mandalorian uh, season two is coming on December 25th. This has not been... Uh, officially confirmed by Disney, but uh, Disney uh, US at least, um, or the you know the the, the main subsidiary. But uh, one of their, um, I think it was a shoot, I can't remember which site it was now. Um, I just had it, but anyway, a, a Disney site posted this uh, and may have accidentally leaked the the release date. Um, so yeah, super exciting to see. I loved season one of Disney Gallery: The Mandalorian, getting to to dive into more details on how the show was made and i think my guess is like due to the secrecy last time around they, they kept everything really tightly under wraps but now that there's a little less secrecy we see this with new products coming out every mando monday and everything um you know I, they're they're opening this up so it sounds like disney the, the the documentary will start on december 25th which is christmas but also the week after um this season ends so that'll be really exciting i don't know about you guys but i'm very excited about this i enjoyed the first season of it and i'm looking forward to this one as well yeah yeah it should be a good way to celebrate the end of season two yeah at the same time that i'm upset and annoyed that it's over but you know <laughs> exactly, exactly. Take what you can get. <laughs> that's true but remember they're gonna probably start shooting season three very soon yes yes what's crazy though though is like I'm. I don't even know where they're gonna go for the end of the season at this point. I, I thought I knew where they were headed, and oh boy! I think uh, we better get into it. So we yeah, can, there's we can there is a lot a lot to discuss tonight. So yeah. with that, Tom, why don't we uh, talk a little more about what we're gonna be reviewing tonight? Sure, we are gonna be rec- uh, reviewing tonight the Mandalorian chapter thirteen, the Jedi, directed by Dave Filoni, and this is written by John Favreau. In this episode, the Mandalorian journeys to a world ruled by a cruel magistrate who has made a powerful enemy. Okay, so I'm just going to get right to it. What did you think of the introduction of Ahsoka Tano? (laughs) I'm sorry. Look, this is going to be spoiler all the way through. But right now, you you cannot say it without saying, what do you think about her introduction? Well, so I'll say, just before I'm going to postpone this even longer... Uh, oh, really? <laughs> just because it's Go fun. Go ahead. Uh, I, I appreciated that, the, you know, we've been talking about this, like Dave Filoni's uh, directing the episodes, you know, uh, uh, chapter 13, I think it's episode five of the season. 
that it's probably going to be the Ahsoka episode. Mm-hmm. Episode starts up not even like we don't even see the Mandalorian or the child at the beginning of the episode straight to Ahsoka. Yeah. And I, and I like yeah. how they didn't even like, like you said, Stephen, they didn't try to hide it, hide it at all. Even two episodes ago when they, they just name dropped Ahsoka. It's not like we're going to see her just walk around the corner and surprise she's there. No, they, they, they let us know it's coming and they didn't say exactly when, but it, we all kind of knew. And so I appreciate that the episode just opened up with Ahsoka and it is, it is so cool to see Ahsoka brought into the live action series and it, it, it is long overdue and I'm so excited. It, here, here's my one thing. Okay. I appreciated them just getting it out of the way first, just done. I would have loved to have just been a little bit longer into the episode. I mean, not like, let's say really middle of the episode. I, okay. Bear with me on this. I'm not saying middle of the episode Boom, there she is. Okay. I would have loved to have seen a little bit more of the chase. I would have loved to have seen a little bit more of, um, you know, the mind games with these guys that are shooting. Okay. Just that little bit extra. I don't know. I mean, I, I appreciated it. I loved every minute of it and you knew it was her. I just wanted like maybe another, let's say, minute, minute and a half of just watching these guys just being trailed and just like knowing that they're not going to be around much longer. Uh, I thought it was perfect watching Ahsoka work through the, the fog, the smoke, Which is the true. night, uh, whatever you want to call it. And just as she's, I don't know. I like it's, it's almost shot, not quite like a horror film, but it's almost shot like a horror film. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, if you think of it like something like alien, where just like, Oh, okay. They're, they're looking around and Oh, Nope. One's gone. Cut to like, what happened there? We did. They, they didn't see, they don't know. And just, I thought it was a great demonstration of what Ahsoka can do. Right. Um, And I also really appreciate it. And we'll talk about this, I think, a little bit more. Um, This Mandalorian has always felt relatively, I don't want to say toned down, but it's it's not as eccentric in terms of its... uh, I'm gonna call them call abilities, if you will, mm-hmm. as we've seen saw in the sequel trilogy, certainly. And I'd say it's not even as much as we saw in like the prequel trilogy. When, you know, the child uses the force, it's relatively understated. Everything feels very weighty. And I actually really appreciated that Ahsoka, like throughout this scene, like she doesn't ever do anything that feels like it doesn't belong in the this version of the universe, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I so it's it's I I did love the the way in which they introduced Ahsoka. I I honestly I've been conflicted through this entire I've watched the episode now 3 times and I am Same here. Same so here. conflicted on, on this episode and I it it pains me to say and I'll get straight to it. The first time I watched the episode, I hated it. I was not a fan at all and it, honestly mm-hmm. it, it all i think there was like two pieces to it one it, and i realized this later you know, i'm i'm not currently at, at, at um in my my normal location and so i didn't have access to my you know my my nice tv and everything and i i watched it uh and I, I, there was some like i think motion blurring i tried to turn off and everything um but there was something off about the 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 the, the stream and so that I think contributed to, to part of it. And I went back and watched mm-hmm. it on my computer later and I actually really enjoyed it the second time. Um, partially mm-hmm. because I, th- I think that made the, a lot of the action feel off. Um, okay. 
and it very strange like it was like you know speeding up and slowing down and stuff it didn't didn't seem right um so i think that may have contributed to part of my dis- initial dislike but the other piece is ahsoka i love love having ahsoka in live action mm-hmm. but i did not like rosario dawson as ahsoka like come I, on ashley Eckstein. uh where are you i know they never approached her it kills me like i get maybe she can't do the acting but at least have her do the voice uh this I, that this this to me go, felt go ahead, like okay. i guess the best analogy actually that I was i was talking with uh, uh rick friend of the show was the best analogy here is um it felt to me like alden ehrenreich playing han solo i thought he did a great job for what it's mm-hmm. for what it is but it does not feel right. like han solo to me and to me this does not feel like ahsoka and as i watched it and to be fair as i watched it again i get i grew to appreciate her portrayal of ahsoka right more and i think by the third viewing i i i i enjoyed it a lot more but i, mm-hmm. I hate i felt honestly i felt like it seems silly i felt like sick to my stomach almost all day because i hated hating the episode uh-huh. I, I felt so bad. It's a little on the ridiculous side, yeah. William. Uh, okay, but I, anyway, they, Stephen, they, they I, I want to hear you guys' thoughts though, because I know I'm, I'm, I know I'm really negative about this, and I I hate being so negative because I just I'm, I wanted to love Ahsoka so much. I'm I'm not going to be negative about this. Okay, um, when I first saw the first per the the first Jedi that came to my mind when I saw Ahsoka Tano. Mm-hmm. It should have been Shakti. Yes, that's exactly who I thought. It felt like Shakti. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, and yes, they're both Tagrudas. So yeah. I mean, and and I like I said, I watched the episode three times. Okay. I think for me, I I love actually Eckstein. I mean, we've we've seen her at screenings. We've seen her, you know, on on streaming we've seen her you know conventions really sweet she really brought life to the character i think by the second and third time my mind was sitting here going okay this is basically ahsoka tano in real life and to give uh rosario dawson some props she brought the character a different aspect Mm -hmm. to me i think she was a little too quiet yes yeah a little a little too stoic a little too you know um i i'm not gonna i i almost want to say a little too mature but that's not the case there it seemed like there was something and i'm not i i I hate to say flat about the character i've i've read you know a a couple people just love the portrayal of it i think kevin smith gave rosario dawson a bunch of props because she was in uh clerks with him uh, I've seen you know Star Wars fandom give her a lot of props. I think the way she portrays the character will end up growing on people mm-hmm. because we have had how many years with Ashley and an actual character that basically lives in animation. When it comes to Rosario Dawson taking that character and bringing her into live action, dubbing the voiceover will not work. It's going to look really bad no matter how hard they try and do ADR on that voice and make that work. This is Rosario Dawson's take on the character. And I think for this, we have to accept that as fans. I think if you give her another episode, it will start growing on you because we've seen for us a shock 
coming off of the seizure Mandalore right into this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a shock to a lot of us to see this character change that much. And, and, and yes, and, and, like, and, and one, I get, one more thing. Uh-huh. And one more thing. I hate to say this. There's another character that's going to be coming that literally was name dropped. That that's another one we're going to have to get used to as a fan. Yeah. I think at least in that case, and we'll talk more about Thrawn later. Yeah, we'll talk about that one later. I, I, you know, I feel like there's a, I feel like there's a, maybe a little more leeway to, to, to play with his portrayal versus like Ahsoka. And I get it. You know, the, the character, the characters have to have room to evolve and have other actors right. take, come in and, and fulfill their role and that sort of thing. Uh, but I totally agree with you. It's, it, she seemed a lot more subdued, not, yeah. not, not as much energy. And yes, the rebels version of Ahsoka was a lot more stoic, but it didn't, it didn't feel right. Now I, I appreciated how Rosario Dawson tried to bring in some of Ahsoka's mannerisms and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing was the voice and she just doesn't sound like Ahsoka to me at all. She looks decent. I'd say that most of her, her she kind of looks like Ahsoka. Maybe, I don't know. Um, I, I, I just, I, yeah, I've got to give her props for doing this, for going out, basically asking for the role, for getting the role and giving it, all that she can for that character. And I am probably going to watch it one more time. It's still Ahsoka Tano. I mean, that's the thing. The fighting style was there. Mm-hmm. Although we're so used to seeing it in animation, it did seem, then against live action, it seemed a little slow. Yeah. Well, she's, yeah. Not, she's not as acrobatic, and you can't obviously right. match animation, right? There's the Animation's yeah, always absolutely. a little more over the top. So yeah. I get that. There were some moments that just felt little slow like that moment when she like flicks her fingers early on or like it just felt like she was like too flowy or too i don't know anyway it it wasn't my favorite portrayal but steven we've been talking about your thoughts on ahsoka (laughs) yeah we we, we, Uh, we, go ahead i disagree i think with both of you okay uh and that i i thought you did a fantastic job uh and maybe and this might have been a case of expectations but i went in not expecting rosario dawson to be ashley Eckstein, and i I, like the thing i was thinking about that really sums up for me is i think and i well sorry i I thought i was thinking about this ahsoka is the first character to go from animation to Mm -hmm. live action every other character has gone the opposite Mm -hmm. not technically true boba fett did that as well he went from the holiday special cartoon to live action in episode five. Yeah, but yeah, I don't yeah. think that really. Yeah, he was created for the movie and included into the holiday special. Yeah, so I think and, it's. And also on top of that, it was so short and it was basically a forgettable scene where it was like one episode where we've had a Sokotano for how many years? I, yes, in animation, which is, it doesn't really count, but I, right. so I think a, we were never uh, like, this is something I think we've just accept, uh, not accepted as the wrong word. We expected and understood as, as we've seen it. Uh, Sebastian Shaw, Hayden Christensen, uh, why am I blanking his name? Is it Daniel Lloyd? What's his last uh, first name? um, um, Anyway, Anakin from episode one. Uh, Jake Lloyd. Matt Lanter. Like, we've had multiple Anakins, and so we're used to the fact that his voice changes a little bit from uh, time period to time period, and even in the same time period, it may change. Same for Obi-Wan, and same for just about every other character we've had. Uh, Ashley Eckstein, because Ahsoka has been such a dominant character in animation has we only have one voice for her. Yeah. And so I, I, I get that there's going to be a disconnect there, but I thought Rosario Dawson did a fantastic job, honestly, in bringing the character to life. Uh, 
and we'll as we'll uh, we'll talk about it a little bit more. I thought the costume could have been a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, it was my biggest concern, I think, coming into the episode after we saw the Twi'leks in the season one, where the head tails were like they just looked like big pieces of like sturdy foam, and um, it still I, did. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that they did one better. Yeah, it was um, better than the than the Twi'leks. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, it was. You could tell there were shots where I felt like. She was not folds. moving her head around quite as much as she might have normally, uh, yeah. because doing so would have made it look really weird when the I don't remember what they're called the head tails the, the leku mantras, whatever, yeah. um, leku are for tweelers. So I don't remember what Montreals. Thank you. Yeah. Um, they're obviously not going to move in this like naturally like over her shoulder, especially right. if she like turns her head ninety degrees. Um, there are parts where you can see it moves a little bit, and so I think they. It was better than I was afraid it would be, and still worse than I would have could have hoped it would be, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought she did a good job, and I thought the biggest thing for me is that she, and this is what I kind of alluded to a little bit, um, everything felt like it fit con- uh, tonally, thematically within this episode. Yeah, that she's I not, agree with. She's not as vocal as we've seen her be in Rebels, and especially not in the Clone Wars. But I think that matches what we see in The Mandalorian. I think it'd right. actually be worse if Ahsoka felt like she was copy-pasted out That's of true. Rebels mm-hmm. and just was didn't feel true to uh, what the theme of the show is. At the end of the day, like the most important thing, I think, is the episode needs to hang together and feel tonally consistent more than, you know, everything else. And I did feel like, William, you mentioned, you know, uh, she brought in some of Ahsoka's mannerisms. There was um, a couple of moments where I like definitely felt the same sorts of uh, humor that we got out of Ahsoka previously and the same sort of um, tragedy out of her as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, with a reference to Anakin. Yeah. Right. So I generally thought she did a really good job. And I, I, and this is one of the things like, I think it was always going to be controversial because I think yeah. it was bringing a character uh, from animation into live action. That, like when this happens to Thrawn, if it ever happened to Ezra, like any other character right. that we've seen before, I think we're going to have that happen. Right. And uh, yeah, but yeah. I, and I, I want to pick up you mentioned tonality when it come when it came to Ahsoka. This episode tonality, that I totally agree with you. Taking her from the animated world and the way she was in Clone Wars, even to Rebels, that tonality would not have worked in this episode. This episode had a very specific cadence you could tell throughout from beginning to end, that if you brought in the Ahsoka to this, it would not have worked. And in that respect, you got to give Rosario Dawson playing Ahsoka Tano mm-hmm. total props for playing it in the exact theme of this episode. Yeah. No, I, you're, you're, you're totally right. And I think the there was one moment oh, on my second viewing, I think, where she, she like jumped in and did this, this flip, I think. And for a split second, I thought I was watching The Clone Wars. Like mm-hmm. it, 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 it did for that brief moment. I, I, I believed it for the rest of it. You know, Steven, you, you mentioned Steven, how we've seen different actors uh, play these roles over the years. And that's, you know, that's totally true. I think the thing I talked about back when solo was released uh, was that typically when we see it, they're at dramatically different ages. Uh, you know, Jake Lloyd to Hayden Christensen is a 10 year jump and yeah, they don't yeah. look exactly the same, but I, you can kind of trick your mind huh. into believing it. I think personally, um, sure. you know, um, you know, and, and this even like, you know, um, 
uh, you know, young Lando to old Lando, or or you know, when you go to Sebastian Shaw, he's so much older at that point. You can, you, I could kind of again uh, trick myself into believing it. Um, Obi Wan, you know, Ewan McGregor to Alec Guinness, uh, age jump, you know, and I think mm-hmm. obviously you know we got used to him, and and in, then you, when you go into animation with like a James Arnold Taylor, um, or a Matt Lanter, at, at that point I feel like well sh- they didn't obviously sound hundred percent the same. They were so so close and so talented right. that you just didn't really it didn't really bother you yeah i think with with, with I think solo the advantage there mm-hmm. sorry go ahead. i'll let you finish oh okay i think the advantage with with solo oh the, the 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 thing with solo was this was a character just a few years before uh we we meet them in you know we meet han solo in a new hope just a few years before and he's he's much younger looks totally different and i get it star wars has to be able to change and evolve and that sort of thing mm. Um, but even to this day, when I watch that movie, I don't like, I know he's Han, my brain knows he's Han, but I don't, my heart doesn't feel it that he's Han, right? He just is mm-hmm. another character in Star Wars who happens to fly around with Chewie and all that kind of stuff. And at least that's how I like, uh, it's, it's hard to describe, but that's kind of how I, I feel right when I watch it. It doesn't feel like Han and he looks a lot like Han. His, some of his mannerisms are, are like Han. But he he isn't Han. If you were gonna like ask me, is he Han Solo? You know, I I would say eh, not really. You know, like, yes, but but no more than name only. And I loved Solo mm-hmm. for what it's worth. I really I really liked Solo. But I never got past that. He's not really Han to me. And maybe we right, just need but- to spend spend more time with him, and and then it's fine. And I think Rosario Dawson is the exact same thing with Ahsoka, where you know she just. She just doesn't feel like Ahsoka, especially since we've only we only saw Ahsoka five years. The last time we saw Ahsoka was just five years before this, so it's not there's not that long of a of a of a gap. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, anyway, I guess that's that's where it comes in. And I as I watched it more, you know, I grew to appreciate her portrayal more. And I think I don't I don't hate it anymore. I think there was that knee jerk reaction for me, even though I went in. With I tried to bring my expectations really low. I you know, I think I said uh, I said on Twitter the night before I was the most excited and most nervous episode you know episode mm-hmm. I've ever. I've been the most excited, and the most nervous for this episode more than any other. And I think that combined with the fact that it it was the 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 viewing conditions um, may have contributed to to the overall feeling as well. Um, but anyway, it was I hated it. I I hated. I hated hating it, I guess I'll say. And I've come right. around a bit more. And I think I'll end up in the spot where it is exactly the same as Alden Ehrenreich. And maybe, you know, in the future, if we see Ahsoka again in The Mandalorian, if we she gets her own spinoff show, I think we'll talk, talk about more more uh, in a little bit. Maybe I will grow to, 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 you know, like her portrayal just as much. I think we've spent hundreds of hours with Ahsoka, mm-hmm. um, uh, with Ashley Eckstein's version. And so, I don't know. I guess I guess we'll see. Yeah, I, I I wish I could say I loved it and thought it was perfect. Like, seems like so many other fans did. It anyway. It seems like it seems like right now we've only seen her one episode. Hopefully, she'll come back before the end of the season, and we get to see her again. And then it's going to take time for us to get used to her playing a live action version. She can't be the animated version. It's the acceptance now. She's in live action. This is the character. Rosario Dawson is going to bring her take to the character. She has the support of Ashley Eckstein, a lot of other people. 
I think she can pull it off. I think it's just, you know, it, it's it's the fan community getting used to this character that comes from animation going to live action. And William, you 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 made it best. It's getting the acceptance of Aaron Aldrich being, you know, Han Solo when we've had Harrison Ford for so many years, you know, and and the jump from, you know, Lloyd to Hayden Christian, it's the same thing. It's getting used to that jump. And I'm sure over time, we will still have Ashley Eckstein as Ahsoka. But now it is Rosario Dawson. And Rosario Dawson's going to bring her take to this character. I'm interested to see how she's going to continue going forward with the mannerisms and how she's going to take this character maybe, I'm not saying a different direction, but maybe expanding her a little bit more because she's got the ability to do it in live action, which is different than animation. So I, I want to move on to the rest of the episode in a moment. Yeah, I think so we the, should. As, as a kind of, I'll leave this as a final comment in an interesting way. Uh, I don't have the numbers to back this up, but I would, I would posit uh, more people now have seen Ahsoka as Rosario Dawson than I've seen Ashley Eckstein as yes. Ahsoka. I'd agree with I that. I totally agree. And in some ways, totally it, it kind of makes me and sad. So <laughs> But yeah, it, it is. It is. It is a, the there's a little bit of hipsterness though, to it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of hipsterness to it in that you know, you know. Oh, we we knew who Ahsoka was before she was cool. But Tom, to your point, like I think it's it's more than just Rosario Dawson evolving to be more of Ashley Eckstein's Ahsoka. I think it's important. Like uh, Ahsoka is now Rosario Dawson's character as well. Yeah. And in like in some ways, you could argue she is. Uh, a, a bigger part of it or will potential to be a bigger part of it obviously if we never see ahsoka in live action again that's probably uh not the most true statement but i think it's an, an interesting thing to think about like there's a there's a lot ahead for this character and i i look forward to seeing where ahsoka continues to go and grow I agree. um but speaking of other things since i know we could we could literally spend the entire episode talking about just Ahsoka. No, I think we should yeah. talk about there's there's so much other but, stuff. Yeah. So the most of this episode, most all of this episode takes place on this planet uh, Corvus, um, which and my wife mentioned this when we were watching, and I really liked the city that we see, which is called um, Caladan. It looks kind of like a Game of Thrones knockoff city in the sense that like you've got these like very low walls. It's very dusty and sandy. Um, it reminded me like especially the sh- the the angles of the shots in the first scene reminded me of some of the shots we saw from game of Thrones near the mm-hmm. end of the show. Um, I, I think I preferred this version of it, but that's okay. Neither here nor there, but it's the atmosphere that I don't like, I don't know if it was Dave Filoni, if it was the, you know, art directors or who, but Corvus just felt like a fantastic world. And it was beautifully realized. I think on screen, mm-hmm. it's kind of built as a forest world. That's been taken over as a mining uh, kind of city and planet for the empire and it just every every speck on the screen oozes that history Mm -hmm. yeah it does you you could see it really felt like a mesh it it really they were definitely paying uh, homage to akira kurosawa one Mm -hmm. of george lucas's big influences and and westerns you know there were there were times where it felt like a samurai battle and other times it felt like an old west standoff in the middle of the city streets um sometimes at the same time and sometimes you know literally cutting between the two and, 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 that, and that's why I mentioned when it came to um, the the way the episode flowed, it had that same feel to it. Mm-hmm. It had that Kurosawa feel to it. Yeah, yeah. 
And, you know, it, it is interesting to see how big of a difference, like, a great, you know, sound system makes, for example. Because there's so many little details, especially as we're rewatching it with headphones, that you hear, like, the wind rustling and the, the, the very low hum and the, the music and stuff. It was just fantastic that, honestly, I, I didn't even catch the first time. Whereas mm-hmm. the first time it almost sounded... Um, um, like just a lot of awkward silence, you know, when you really listen to it with a, with a great sound system, you're like, Oh man, this is, this is fantastic. Um, and, and I think it really helps the episode flow. And, and you know, and the, the Kurosawa influences extend to the entire city, to the, 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 the reflection pool, right. And the, the Japanese gardens, um, mm-hmm. in the in interior of the compound and well, even the alarm. It's like, you would say that would be like yeah. a big bell that would be in some kind of Japanese village. This wasn't a big bell, but it still had the same kind of significance. Yeah. No, it was absolutely just so, so well designed. It's really yeah. cool. I, I'll say, I, like I said, this isn't the first episode that Dave Filoni's directed I, for Mandalorian. Um, but I think, I, for me at least, this episode is the one I would point to if I were Dave and be like, this is why you should give me a movie. <laughs> like, I, I, and we'll go through the, like, the rest of it, obviously, and give scores mm-hmm. at the end. But like, the cinematography of this episode, I thought was just beautiful and fantastic and like he he really did do just an amazing job with it and and i think what made the cinematography work is the way they had the planet you could tell because the way the magistrate was basically killing the planet i mean just you could tell she just used it for its resources as dusty as heck the villagers the village itself just that atmosphere was just so pulled out in the cinematography it was amazing oh yeah and the other thing i really appreciated and we literally talked about this last week the the mandalorian has a very clear formula for its episodes mandalorian is on on his journey he gets sidetracked by some uh some person or thing Mm. on the sidetrack he teams up with someone he's betrayed and then you know, resolves the conflict and continues. Right. I really appreciate it. That largely holds true for this episode. Mm-hmm. The Mandalorian arrives on Corvus. He enters the town. He meets with the uh, magistrate who asks him to kill a Jedi. And I just, I love the reversal of like, instead of the Mandalorian being betrayed, we know like he's looking for, he's looking for a Jedi. Right. <laughs> Something tells me he's not, he's going to be the one doing the betraying this time. Right. And I really appreciated how, they played it. You, he never mentions anything like that. He like, thank you. It felt very, very, uh, I don't even know what to, like, I appreciate they didn't draw a ton of attention to it. He's like, it yeah, was very Marvel. subtle. Yeah. It was very subtle. That whole conversation between he and the magistrate about him trying to find the Jedi. Number one, she never name dropped it. She just said, find the Jedi. You had a feeling he knew exactly who it was, but I loved it. We're going to get to this now. I loved it how he never said he agreed to the deal. And when you go back and watch it the second time and the third time, you realize that conversation was so subtle. He never did agree to the deal. Because it would go against the code. That's to, right. Yeah. Fascinating. I missed that little detail. I, I missed that as well. Even, even on the That's yeah, very clever. Like the fact, I was, part of me was wondering, like, do we just miss it? Like, what did they cut? Did they cut away before we saw him agree? Um, he never did. If but, you if you keep watching it, yeah. it if you really listen to the words, he never said I would do it. Hmm. Never. It just just watch it again. Just really pay attention. It it was it was so subtle, but he told Ahsoka he never agreed to the deal. And when he said that, that's when it clicked. Go back and watch it again. 
Interesting. Fantastic. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It, what did you guys think of of Magistrate Morgan Elspeth uh, and her her sidekick Captain Lang? Like they're pretty. Uh, I, I don't know. They, we, we haven't gotten much info on them, but they're pretty vicious characters. Especially yeah, uh, you knew Captain Morgan. Lang wasn't going to last long. Yeah. I'm sorry. I I hoped you would. I actually really liked him. I really I love that. Yeah, I just. I love the standoff that they have at the end. That was his totally good. He's like, look, we're just, look, we're both, we're both hired guns. Right now. We're not, I'm not invested here. You're not invested here. (laughs) And I just, the, that standoff had fantastic tension and chemistry to it. Mm -hmm. And I, I, the Mandalorian obviously doesn't have much to say during a lot of that type of things. That's just, that was entirely Michael Bind give breathing life into a character who had had, very few lines. Yeah, right. And the other part that makes it work during that whole exchange, seeing all the expression of Michael Bynes character listening to the battle that was happening on the other side of the wall. And you could see no change of expression on the Mandalorian at all. It was all coming from Michael Bane. It's like, you could be like, Oh, Oh, the magistrate's winning. Oh, now it doesn't sound so good. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, you know, let me see if I can talk to the Mandalorian a little bit more. And I loved it when he just sat there and he just like, well, I think you won or however he put it. (laughs) Right. Sounds like you win. Yeah. And it was all basically facial expressions throughout the Mm -hmm. whole thing. And you got whenever they cut to the Mandalorian, the only kind of expression you got from him is when he had his hand by his his gun Mm -hmm. ready to pull. Other than that, because he's wearing a helmet. No expressions on the face at all, which I think made that whole scene work back and forth. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, it's interesting because when I watched it the first time again, it, it may have been due to the the setup or whatever. But um, I I didn't like this. I didn't like the scene at all. It felt very slow, really? boring. I hated it. But then when I watched the second, I'm like, actually, this is kind of cool, and I really like how it's like a western on one side and a samurai fight, you know, between uh, Ahsoka and the magistrate. And I I, I really mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it a lot. The second and third viewings. Um, so it really grew on me. I, I did like a lot of the, the lines that Lang said. I still understand. I, I mean, I get that, you know, Mandalorian kind of knows that he didn't really want to, Lang didn't really want to kill him. And, and it, you know, at least, um, you know, like he's, like he said, he's just a hired gun. So right. maybe, maybe the Mandalorian knew he, Lang wasn't really going to try to go after him, but I'm like, Mandalorian, he's wearing Beskar. We saw just what last episode he ran into the middle of the Imperial base and like took a whole bunch of fire on his Beskar blaster mm-hmm. fire. Like he so, could have easily just <sighs> tried to shot the guy and be done with it. Right, Steve, you're, you're, you're right. I was gonna, no, that's just William. You're reminding me of a detail that I also love that we see. Um, I also appreciated Captain Lang. He does not have a standard blaster. He has. I think the first time we've ever really seen what I would call like the shotgun blaster mm-hmm. effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause there's at least one or gun. two scenes where you see him shooting, you get the, like the try shot effectively um, coming out of it, which I, I only really remember from the Republic commando game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that was another neat detail. And maybe that the multitude of blaster fire for some reason would get through the Mando's armor, but probably not That's given fair. how much fire he's taken previously. Right. Um, one of the things that, well, you mentioned the magistrate as well. Um, she, like you said, there's not a lot of uh, characterization for her, I'd say, in this episode. But I think a lot of it comes from seeing the state of the town that she oversees. 
the civilians, hostages, live in, you know, these very dingy, dusty huts. You go through a wall and you've got like a perfect, pristine garden, which I think says, and Mm -hmm. where she, you can see her meditating, which I think goes a long way to kind of at least explaining what her uh, hierarchy is. Um, And she even flat out says like, I'll kill over a hundred civilians if you don't stop Ahsoka. Yeah. You know, and like, she's she's just willing to do whatever she needs to do. She needs to keep control. Now I'm going to put on my, my tinfoil hat for a little bit and I'm going to go ahead. The other thing I really appreciated, um, we'll talk about the actual fight between the magistrate and Ahsoka in a little bit. Um, but the magistrate has a pure Beskar spear, which we see can block, uh, the lightsaber and it's what she uses to duel Ahsoka with. I also appreciated again, talk about the actual scene in a moment. Uh, we see multiple times that Ahsoka's lightsaber can't penetrate the Mandalorian's Beskar. Mm-hmm. Um, he catches her lightsabers on his forearm gauntlet, for example. And I'm convinced both of those sequences and the reason the Mandalorian walks away with the spear at the end is we know the Mandalorian is going to have a confrontation with uh, Gideon later on. We know that Gideon has the dark saber, which while technically not a lightsaber for intense, all intents and purposes is a lightsaber. And in addition to all the other things this episode does, I think this episode is setting up the Mandalorian with the tools he will need for the fight against Gideon. Ah, it's it not establishes just, not just with defense, the audience, but offense. Yeah, it yeah. establishes here is his his armor is impert like it can block lightsabers, so we're not we don't have the like oh that's convenient when we see it later, mm-hmm. and we've given him a weapon that he can actually have a meaningful duel with Gideon as well. Uh, which I think will, I suspect, will be important. Okay, but wouldn't it be fun to see Ahsoka take on uh, Gideon? See a lightsaber and darksaber going after each other? It would, but here's the thing. I Honestly, I, after watching this episode, I don't know if we'll see Ahsoka again the rest of the season. Yeah, so we talked about this a little bit over chat. This was This was actually the biggest thing, my takeaway. There are two options after this episode. We find out Ahsoka is looking for Grand Admiral Thrawn, which yep. means Ahsoka a, <laughs> so implies awesome. Thrawn is active somewhere. Um, last we saw, he and Ezra had been whisked away, I think, into the unknown regions by, by the Purgle. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I was not going. I was going to say giant space whales, but I had to come I, remember I, their name. I, I, I remember um, that vividly for some reason, but they're Purgle. So there's. And a couple episodes, we also saw Bo-Katan and got a reference to the kind of war on Mandalore. Um, which is also a plot line that I think we Dave Filoni set up in Rebels. And so I think we have two options. There are two paths here. One is Ahsoka, Bo-Katan, that Thrawn potentially, that plot line feed into the potentially the end of season two and maybe in, that's set up for season three. Mm-hmm. And the Mandalorian will be swept up into these stories. Um, I don't think that's as likely. Mm-hmm. The other option is that this is all uh, backdoor pilot set up for... I, whether it's an Ahsoka ding, show, ding, ding. A, a Thrawn show, Ezra show, or some other character that's going to get roped into this kind of coming conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes. like, I generally think we're looking at Dave Filoni's next project. I, I don't know if it's live action. I don't know if it's animation. I, th- but, I think it's live action, uh, honestly. And, and, I think, and I think you're right. I think it is a backdoor. I think that's, that's why they backdoor pilot. I think that's why they hired Rosario Dawson. Yeah. You know, there's been rumors that they're trying to cast Ahsoka, uh, sorry, Ezra. They're, there are there's rumors they've been wanting to do a Thrawn show or that Sabine might show up. Um, honestly, I I do think this is a backdoor pilot. This is the last we see of Ahsoka, and then you know like the in 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 the Mandalorian because like well, the last time we saw her in in universe, she was with Sabine 
getting ready to go hunt for Ezra Bridger a year after Return of the Jedi, right? In the, right. In the in the 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 epilogue in um, in Rebels, we see them. They're kind of going off in search of of Ezra because Ezra is somewhere with Thrawn, mm-hmm. and clearly, uh, clearly Ahsoka thinks that well, it, it's it's it, we learn that the the magistrate is Thrawn's protege. Right, you know, and that he, she, like helped, uh, uh, she helped form the Imperial Starfleet uh, during the Clone Wars, and like mm-hmm. destroyed a bunch of planets, as we see she did to Corvus, and um, and so I, I think, I think this is, I think this is a backdoor pilot for a live action series, and so, so, so I, I, I got a question for you since since we're jumping all. Did it bother you that she sat there and actually had to say his full-on name, Grand Admiral Thrawn? I think it's I would have viewer. loved to have just had her say Thrawn. I think it was for the it was for the viewer. Yeah, it was, it was for all the people because he look. You, most people are not like us. They've never seen Clone Wars. They've oh, never no, seen I, Rebels. I, I, that part I totally get. And, and, think, and go ahead. And like the Clone Wars, I, I believe, is one of the top ten streaming shows right now, right? And that's because of the Mandalorian. The Mandalorian is is bringing so many new fans to the clone wars rebels and it's so cool to see yeah because as fans of those shows like we know how amazing they are and so many more people are getting exposed to it people who have never seen the clone wars and rebels are now watching the mandalorian and going what the heck who is this character who is thrawn what's going on or maybe they've read the books like oh my gosh thrawn right they're learning right. about these characters it's just like in um uh, uh in the mcu actually there's a great analogy uh, some of our other friends on the Star Wars report were talking about this. We had a group chat talking about the episodes this morning. And they're talking about how a lot of people with the Marvel films and the MCU, you know, they never heard of Thanos and all this stuff. And they, uh, but, but when, you know, they, they started watching the MCU, they, they went back and read up about who this Thanos guy is. And, and they were introduced to this whole new aspect of the mythology. And I think the same is true with the Clone Wars and, and Rebels, where they're like, wait, who's Bo-Katan? Wait, who's Ahsoka Tano? Who's Grand Animal Thrawn? And they're, mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're taking their first steps into a larger world. Um, and it's really cool to see. Yeah, I mean, if you look at what Jon Favreau has done previously as well, which is, you know, the MCU, like he <laughs> directed the first Iron Man this is part and parcel, I think, of what the MCU has done and has been so successful about. You do not need to know anything about Thrawn or Ahsoka to enjoy this episode. And the episode could end and you could never see those characters again. And yeah, it'd be like a little odd that they threw out some names that don't seem to have any meaning, but it wouldn't ruin the episode. The episode stands despite the fact that it's setting things up. Right. But it sets these things up that we can take advantage of future and helps make the universe feel more connected. Ahsoka may never mention the the weird Mandalorian that she ran across, you know, on some backwater planet a year or two ago. Right. But we know that it happened and it helps make the universe feel connected without making it feel small. Right. And, and I think that's what being a Star Wars fan, I think a lot of us were really hoping for is the connecting threads. To see that it is finally, I mean, sure, the expanded universe is technically now gone, okay? But now they're basically building the universe again this way. And I appreciate that. Being the Star Wars fan, you can see the threads going where they're going, especially bringing in the Dark Troopers uh, in last episode. 
mm-hmm. referencing the video game. And there's also the quote unquote, as you've seen theories out there, because people, Stephen, I'm going to take your tinfoil hat. People are now <laughs> theorizing who could be the quote unquote Jedi that could come out of nowhere that could train the child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, that's I- the best thing about this right now. At some point, somebody said, there's no, I'm going to quote something, but not give proper reference. There was no backstory. There's no universe to pull from. And I believe Filoni and Favreau said, hold my beer. <laughs> I mean, this is this is demonstrating, I think, exactly what we wanted to see in many ways. And this is yes. regardless of whether you enjoyed the pre-sequel trilogies or not. Uh, this is like. I you you both know I love legends. Like I have my bookshelf downstairs that is my collection of every legends, not every legends novel, but all the ones like a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um some would say too many of them. But I know that like there are bad stories in legends. Yep. Uh there are some truly like it I just need to say Waru and a lot of people are gonna cringe <laughs> and you know be scared. Uh correctly so. It is fantastic to watch Favreau, Filoni um like Taika Waititi all of these directors and I don't I don't know where it's coming from I I'm picking names but this could be folks on the writing side this could be the story group kind of influencing mm-hmm. I I don't know mm-hmm. but they're they're bringing forward and integrating the best parts of legends into yep. the new continuity and it's just it's really cool to watch well, just just yeah. look at like Tython for example I never thought we'd get a name drop of Tython in this episode. Not just the name. No, we're, we're going, going to Tython. This is going to be interesting because Python please fill me in on Kotor. that one because it's been so long. If this was in the Legends, remember, I'm so, the old guy of the group. That brain cell jumped about a couple episodes ago. <laughs> so, Tom, let me give you the the quick the quick once over. Protocol yeah. Professor, Protocol professor Steven go is going to give us a, a lesson on Tython. Um, okay. Take it, Tom, there will be a quiz after. Thank you. Um, I will listen. So, take your seat next for, to Baby Yoda and... Uh, at the desk. And, uh, and I'm going to keep my for Mac context, up sides. Okay, continue. So for context, uh, Tython is the name of the planet that Ahsoka directs the Mandalorian to to find uh, the child teacher. I know. Um, which we'll cover in more detail in a moment. Okay. So Tython is considered the ancient Jedi homeworld. It is, I believe, in the inner rim, although don't quote me on that part. Um, and it's the first novel in Legends continuity, which I believe... Is it, is it called? Oh, is it Dawn of the Jedi? Mm-hmm. I think it's called Dawn of the Jedi, um, and talks about how the the ancient Force users uh, started on Tython. I think they um, still have that book. I, I'm gonna I'm butchering this. Mm-hmm. There was the Bogards, and I forget that the other side was called. But like the the light and dark side existed, but have different Ashland, names. They were so kind of a, a local cult, if yeah. you will. Um, and so this is this was this is the planet we're going to. It's like the ancient Jedi homeworld. Um, it's popped up here and there. Like I said, it popped up in Dawn of the Jedi. I think it's probably best known as a, one of the starter planets in the Old Republic MMO. Mm-hmm. If you're picking a Jedi class, you start on Tython. You explore the Jedi Temple there. You explore the wilderness there. It's the original Jedi uh, Temple on top of a mountain, which is exactly how they describe yeah, it in this episode. So I'm I'm very, very curious to see... Like, honestly, if Tython is kind of a forested, mountainous planet, like, great. They've already stayed true to what we've seen before <laughs> uh given what we've seen i would not be surprised if we see something from the old republic that might be recognizable it could be the courtyard you know something like mm-hmm. along those lines that helps make it fit more closely yeah so that that is the history of tython it's one of those things um 
it's, it's cool to see. I love it. And, you know, it, like, as you said, Stephen, it was originally described as the homeworld of the Jedi. Now mm-hmm. that's that's part of Legends. And so it is one of the early homeworlds of the Jedi. Um, you know, Octu is now the official homeworld. But Tython is still one of the early places where the Jedi began. And so it's it's so cool to me that we're actually going to go to Tython. We're getting that reference uh mm-hmm. to to this old you know this old major planet and, and not just a reference like we're gonna go see it we're gonna go there and honestly now i'm i'm th- this show has opened up i don't even know where the show is going next right like ahsoka implies and we'll talk more about um uh, ahsoka and the child in a moment there's a lot to, to, to yeah there's there. a lot to digest about the child but um the the fact that ahsoka even just says to take the child to the Jedi temple there. She actually says an ancient temple strong of the force, I think, but she means Jedi temple. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a seeing stone there. You sit on it and then some Jedi will come to him or may find him if there's any left. Like well, this, I think it was, sorry, I'm going to, yeah. I also read it and I heard it as the child will choose. Yes. 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 yes yeah. First, well. yeah. Well, first he will decide like, does he want to, 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 to walk the path of the Jedi or not? And then if he does, he will reach out in the force and some other force user may come find him, not Ahsoka because she doesn't want to train him. And, and that's an interesting thing because she said there's not a lot of Jedi left, but it's very fascinating how the Mandalorian never asked her, why are you not a Jedi? Well, or she, why never, she, she also never says she's Jedi. not a Jedi either, which is, I found it super interesting. Um, mm. I would love to know what's going on in her head, but yep. you know, I, I, just, just looking at like the future we have, we now have three episodes left. We have Moff Gideon and the Darksaber. We have potentially things going on with Mandalore. And now we have them going to Tython to, uh, to, to, to learn more about the child's future. My guess is we won't see... It'll probably be another Journey episode next week, followed by Tython after mm-hmm. that, if I had to guess. Um, but, I, wow, there's so many places they could take this show, and I honestly don't even know where they're going to go at this point. Like, it's it's pretty clearly implied that uh that dinjarin will will be remain his the child's father and caretaker mm-hmm. um and that there'll be some other Jedi that maybe comes and helps train the child if that's what he wants but i don't even know where the show well, goes at this point there's so many possibilities and I, I, mm-hmm. there, there's there's so many threads because i think even at some point uh ahsoka dropped the whole thing about let his abilities fade before yeah. before the whole thing about taking him to the temple and doing all this. So, but now now let's get to the backstory of the child because since we're talking about the child and trying to to figure out which way he's going to go if he's going to call a Jedi or go to this place, what did you guys think of the way the child and Ahsoka were able to communicate because the child never spoke, but Ahsoka was able to get information from him because we finally got so a backstory. This, this is actually my biggest issue with the episode. <laughs> uh and so specifically the child and Ahsoka are conversing in one way or another. And then Ahsoka kind of relays what she has learned from the child. Things like his name. We'll talk about that in a moment. Um, Cause the name is whatever we'll talk about it in a moment. We'll get there, <laughs> Stephen. Uh, but also things like he was, he was in the Jedi temple or on Coruscant when the, the Jedi fell um, he was whisked away. He fell. As- he was asleep or groggy for a time. He was trained by many masters, um, and 
he the child made a deliberate choice to kind of like start to hide his abilities so that he could not be found by the empire out of fear Mm -hmm. um all of which i think is fine but i don't like that i don't they're they're being very inconsistent i think in how they treat the child's age Mm -hmm. either he is uh either he's um not necessarily a mature adult but he's older um and is a you know uh, capable of having complete sentences and understanding the impact of his, you know, of what he does and so on. Like you can treat him like a sentient person or mm-hmm. he's a baby, which has always been treated thus far and is not responsible for his actions. I, they seem to be splitting the difference and that doesn't make sense to me. It, it seems like it's more of like a mature adolescent. If you want to look at it from that point of view, I don't know. But if that's, that's, that's what I get from Ahsoka's mess uh, description, but that does right. not match how we've seen the child act right, thus far. Yeah, like okay. he, does, he I, doesn't seem to understand things like "don't touch that." Well, uh, yeah, and even even uh, there was even that really interesting comment where the Mandalorian says he doesn't understand, and Ahsoka replies, "Oh, he does." You know, like, but he's stubborn. Yeah, and, and so it, 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 stubborn is part of it, but also like. I mean, maybe they're treating him more like a toddler who just can't talk. Maybe Yoda's species develops later and can't start talking as, as, as late. I don't know. I get the sense that maybe Ahsoka like read his mind. And so he didn't necessarily tell her these stories. And so she had to like uh, um, try to get them out of him. But I, I agree, Stephen. It's a, it's a little confusing that, you know, we know he's 50 years old. He's been trained as a Jedi by many masters which is super interesting. It's not just like, oh, here's like some force bait. Maybe it's been just like basics, uh, you know, force 101. I don't know. Right. But I would assume so. Like the kind of youngling classes that we yeah, kind of see. Like lift this with the force, push it over here. That's about mm-hmm. it. Um, but I agree. Like sometimes it's like, sometimes they, they, they imply that he doesn't understand what's going on and he's just a baby. And other times it's, he's, oh, he knows exactly what he's doing. And it, 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 it's, it, it, it is, it, actually, it kind of bothers me. Yeah. It speaks, we talked about this a little bit, it speaks to the egg problem that we saw from episode two. Either the child is a baby that doesn't understand that eating another per, like per, uh, another person's young is wrong. Uh-huh. Or, which, like, great, still shouldn't be doing it, but, like, we can accept and talk about the fact that, okay, that's, got it. Uh, or, now we're, th- like, we understand he knows it's wrong, he knows he is... I mean, like you again, they're not unfertilized eggs. So I don't we don't need to go quite that far down that route, but like right. that his actions take on uh, a very different light if he's aware that what he's doing is wrong. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. It's... But also realize she brought up a thing about he he has um it's like I, I think it's the fear of the dark side. I mean mm-hmm. Yeah. That that could play a that could play a little bit of he that could play a little factor of this too. I mean, it's, it's very he is possible. at that impressionable age. It, it, and it's very possible that he, um, I don't even know if this makes sense, but like was a little more uh, able to, to, he was a little more um, developed than we thought. And then mm-hmm. maybe he, out of fear, almost like retreats and like takes a step backward, you know, right. potentially. But 
you know, and it's implied that there's a lot of fear. And I love the the, the, the reference, you know, I sense much fear you, in you and stuff. You could actually make the case that because of the fear and he took a step backward, he basically regressed. Yeah, you exactly. Consider exactly. that. But I agree. It, it all, it just all feels a little, a little odd. And while on the one hand, I'm, I'm glad to know more about the child's backstory. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I'm like, like we didn't even get a name for frog lady. Like, do we really need to know the child's full backstory? I, I, I like that they tried to make him more of a Jedi, but I, I almost wish he'd just been a child that was just found. Mm-hmm. and was just starting to, to learn how to use the force like Anakin, right? He didn't really know how to use the force, but he was right. doing it in the pod races. That's how I interpreted the child, right? And and now we learn that he is he's been trained at the Jedi Temple by many masters, not just one, but many masters. Uh, but he's fifty years old. That puts you know that puts his birthday I think around the time of the Phantom Menace, mm-hmm. or around the year Anakin it, was born. I, I had to double check my math, but he's five years older than Ahsoka. Um, and yet. Gr- and yet Ahsoka ne- says she never, she just had never met him before, but they were both younglings at the temple. And I get the temple's big, but like, right. They're both young, younglings at the temple. Um, and so I, it's, I find it odd that like she had never he- seen or heard of this child before. I, I feel like it would be the talk of the Jedi. If like another, another one of these, you know, uh, Yoda like beings showed up. Mm-hmm. Um, also well, like, Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I think you were going to get was, there. What I was going to also write. like poor Yaddle. Like, I feel, <laughs> like <laughs> Stephen, go ahead. Go ahead. I I said briefly. Like, I actually didn't mind Ahsoka not knowing, and it it goes back to like what what is the child's uh, human equivalent age? I can believe if if he's fifty now and is the equivalent of like a two year old. Yeah, he like his training by many masters. Like, sure, he was in like baby class when he was mm-hmm. in the temple. I I wouldn't expect him to be in the class That's with Ahsoka, fair. who would have been a little bit farther along. But with how right. cute he is, don't you feel like all the kids at the temple would be like, "Hey, look at the look at look at you know baby Yoda in the in the crib over here. Let's go check him out." <laughs> yeah, I to- totally understand. Back in season one, where he was with the uh, those other kids yeah. before, and it was just like, "Can we go play with it?" Yes, it I could felt, see that happen. It just felt a little convenient um, to have him be at the Jedi Temple. Right. You yeah. know, and then but you're totally go ahead, William. Oh, uh, and and then the fact that like the the other thing that bothered me about this whole scene is that Ahsoka, she says that she's never met another one like him. But like, is Yaddle so easily forgotten? Like poor Yaddle. Just, you know, Yaddle, Yaddle it, got it, done dirty. Is the answer in Legends? Yaddle died <sighs> in 26 BBY. Okay, or four years before Attack of the Clones. She doesn't have an official death in in canon now. But Ahsoka was 10 years old when Yaddle died. Yaddle was mm-hmm. a Jedi master on the Jedi council. Like that's the kind of stuff I feel like as a youngling you learn about, or you know about like, Hey, there's like these 12 Jedi masters and Yaddle's one of them. There's Yaddle and Yoda on the Jedi council. But like, she just totally, totally disses Yaddle. And it's like, I've, I've only met one and being there, there like, there, this. Has, there has to be a reason. Like, I mean, there, there has to be a reason so for this. I, like, I, unless have reason. Unless the child was writing. around at the time. Yaddle uh, was alive. It's, it's not lazy writing. It is, uh, it is just simplest to not deal with Yaddle. Yes. I like, think, I think if they had it, said, be, yeah, go ahead. And, it, and this is like, 
Lucas obviously felt this way because Yaddle disappears after episode one. <laughs> like, no one mentions Yaddle ever again. We got some stuff in Legends, but Legends like to talk, tell stories about literally everything, so that's not a surprise. Mm-hmm. It is very much just like, yes, Yaddle was there. Yes, there is some history there, but it is just way easier if we can call the child Baby Yoda. And, like, there's a reason no one calls it ba- the child Baby Yaddle. Like, right. And, 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 and to be fair, like, looking at this from a... Um not from a story's perspective, but more from a, like if I was writing the episode, I totally get that. Like the average viewer would watch it and go, wait, Ahsoka knows two things like this. Yeah. Yoda and who, you know, like they would be so confused. Yeah. Get it. But like, Oh man, I feel bad for Yaddle. And I totally understand because if people are now going to start going back and watching the clone wars and then rebels, they're going to see her interacting more with Yoda than Yaddle. It's true. It's yeah, true. totally but, makes sense. Man, I <laughs> Yaddle got I mean, slighted. Poor, poor Yaddle. Even Peel would be bummed. <laughs> All right. So now let's let's talk about the other elephant in the room, which is we get the name of the child. The child <sighs> is named Grogu. Grogu. Is there a reference to that anywhere? Is is there you know a Kurosawa reference? Somewhere it was uh, old, old, old legends. Did it go all the way back to like, let's say, the Dark Horse comics? Anywhere did this come from? I don't believe so. Okay, I think it's a it's a new name. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Names are always weird. I I'm not a fan though. I'm uh, yeah. I'm with you, Steven. I and think he's still going to be called I'm, Baby Yoda. I'm better now. But I, at the start, I honestly struggled where I was like, it's Grogru? Gogru? Yeah. No, Gro. I'm confusing myself again, but like now, okay, got it. Grogu. Maybe they wanted to go like baby Grogu, you know? Uh, But no, I totally agree. Like it's, I I suspect what they were trying to do is go for a name that was not as cute as Baby Yoda or, 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 you know, because they, they didn't want, I suspect they're like, we have to tone back the cuteness. That's why they have that's why they have the child eating frogs and this kind of thing. Cause they, they intentionally try to tone back how cute he is. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, yeah, Grogu is not my favorite name. I it has grown on me. It has grown on me a lot in the last 36 so it's, hours. It's Grogu on me. It's growing on you. That was, that was nasty. I'm sorry. Um, it's grown on me like Ahsoka. Um, I think that's another reason why I wasn't a fan of the episode. Like, do, we, do we really need to know this? We've gone like a season and a half just calling him the child. Mm-hmm. Do we really need to, to know it? At this point, it, it's it's like it is what it is. I, I get that I'm not trying to be that, that cutesy with it. It's growing on me, but it's not my favorite. I, I did like, though, how like every time... Like Amanda wasn't really saying Grogu at first. You'd just say kid or whatever. And I like so that. Had to keep like nudging him with his real name. And then, you know, every time he would say Grogu, <laughs> like the child, like look up at him and, and gurgle and, and like smile. So that was, that was nice. I think, uh, I think yeah. the best part and what really worked is when he was doing Grogu, when he was trying to get the child to use the force. Mm-hmm. And since the rock didn't work and he realized the child had that little round ball that came from the, from the, um, mm-hmm. from, from the ship. So the Mandalorian is like, Grogu, Grogu here, take a look. Come on. You, I mean that I hate to say it, but that's literally like any owner to a new puppy dog here. <laughs> exactly. You want a treat? You want a treat here? Mm-hmm. Here, come on, take it, take it. Come on, take it. No, come on. You want it. Grogu. Come, that's exactly how that felt. And then 
boom, Grogu realizes and pulls it to him with a force. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there were some very cute moments, like when he dropped the the, the rock that Ahsoka was trying to to force push to him, and mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Like there was a lot of a lot of nice moments uh, overall uh, in that training sequence or the the testing sequence in, in some you know nice references back to uh even the phantom menace when yoda um tests anakin with you know i sense much fear in you and mm-hmm. and that sort of thing uh and even the the refusal to train grogu because he is he's too old uh right. just like yoda says and she knows firsthand her master anakin was was um was 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 nine years old they trained him anyway against yoda and mace windu's advice and he turned to the dark side and you could see i i do i did think rosario dawson did a great job of trying to show that pain when ahsoka talks about how she's seen this happen to the best and brightest of the jedi and how they would fall Mm -hmm. um i don't know necessarily because they're too old but Mm -hmm. guys i appreciated what we're the way Rosario Dawson sold it in many ways for me was uh, we hear her a quote um, or restate a lot of classic lines. Yeah. Really, you mentioned the one from Yoda. We get one from Obi-Wan, you know, mm-hmm. the force it binds all living things. It's what gives the Jedi their power, um, which just always great to hear. But mm-hmm. I really appreciated that when talking about whether to train, I'm just going to keep calling him the child, train, uh, train the child or not. I love that you can tell what, uh, she's saying one thing, but means another. Oh, he's too old to train. But we like sh- you read it and you watch it, and it's like she is scared to train him. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, you mentioned this briefly. I guess Oka never says whether she is or isn't a Jedi. It's not something that actually bothered me in the episode. But I think a lot of it goes to that is how Ahsoka sees herself. She doesn't consider herself to be a Jedi, and she also mm-hmm. knows she's not in a place where she could train a Jedi. It's not what her her role is at this point, and not something she's able to do. Both, uh, well, primarily, I guess, not it's not mentally. I don't even know what it is. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, she's no longer a Jedi. She's seen what happens. I mean, she's kind of distanced herself from the Jedi. At least last we saw, you know, she she distanced herself from the Jedi. She still has her lightsaber. She still still tries to give like Ezra even some some advice and that sort of thing. But she doesn't really consider herself a Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, no. So, I I don't know. It's uh, so I can see why she wouldn't want to train them, especially given what happened with her master. Um, but I don't know. Like she she sends eventually she sends she sends a, a, a Dinjarin and Grogu. It's great pair of names to um, <laughs> to Tython. It's actually that is actually part of my problem. I think, and it's it's the same reason I don't like. Dinjarin is I don't appreciate the um it's too weird. What's it? Now what's I what is it called? The alliteration of it. Grogu has the same problem. Don't mm. give me like Ahsoka Tano, Kanan Jarrus, Ezra Bridger, Grogu, it's like two G's. Yeah, like yeah. give me different letters. Jinjarin, it just like it all mushes in my mouth as I say yeah. it. I, I I agree I agree and they're both names they they withheld for a long time and I don't feel like meet up the hype although honestly could any name no have lived up to the hype it's why it, no no and I appreciate it. it doesn't actually matter because if you did not remember the Mandalorian's name it would not be an issue no. at 
any well, point. What do we call him? Well, we still call him the Mandalorian. And exactly. even in the show, they still call him the Mandalorian or right. Mando. Nobody calls Nobody him, calls him Din, Din Djarin. Right. Yeah, and I think perfect. we'll all still keep calling him the child and baby Yoda. Grogu yeah. is his name officially, and that's fine. You yeah. know, I, I um, my fiance and I have uh, both have uh, baby Yoda shirts. We were walking around, and I decided to call us the Grogu crew. Uh, but, no, but, William. Sorry, uh, William. No, no, I agree with Stephen. No, so um, uh, okay, okay. So, so, but anyway, what I was saying was, um, so they're gonna go to Tython. So someone's gonna train them. You know, right now, like Luke's Luke's walking around. Like, what's he up to? Is he still traveling the galaxy like he was in Battlefront Two, looking for Jedi artifacts, or has he started his Jedi Academy yet? Do you think we'll see Luke? I doubt it, but it's possible. I would, I would hope not. I mean, I, I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go, Stephen. I'm gonna take your, uh, your tinfoil hat again. I'm gonna go with the theory that possibly this is gonna be tied into the video game, where we're gonna see Kyle Katarn, that people are just like, oh, hey, they're gonna pull from here. I, I don't want to see Luke in this. I, I think I, that's got to be separate. No, I think we do see Luke here. Really? Really? I, uh, if I were to put on, I'm gonna, sorry, tinfoil hat going back on. Tom, I need to borrow it. Go ahead, take it. Um, I expect we'll see Luke here. And I wow. think we'll see, like, if I'm going to put even my, the tinfoil hat on top, I think we'll see Mark Hamill play him as well. Wow. I think it, it's a... You mean de-aged, if they do it? Uh, not necessarily. I think Mark Hamill, with makeup, could pull off Luke at around this time-ish, potentially. Ah, uh, he's a little... He's, he's a little... Uh, it's a little... Maybe, sorry. I keep thinking we're... He's too old. We're still too pretty old early to begin the training. Yeah. I, I think we'll see Mark Hamill, though. And I think it'll serve two purposes. A, I don't think necessarily that the child becoming a Jedi is a a foregone conclusion. Mm -hmm. Um, B, if you're telling a post-Return of the Jedi story about someone becoming a Jedi, I think Luke has to show up at some point. And C, I think it gives Disney and Lucasfilm a way to give all fans some Luke that they were hoping to see in the sequel trilogy that we didn't necessarily get to see. Mm-hmm. And again, doesn't matter how you whether how you feel about the sequel trilogy. What but if, seeing Luke closer to his prime is something I think a lot of people would want to see and the Mandalorian gives them a way to do it without making that the focus. I could see it. I mean, it's it it would blow people's minds. It would be huge. It'd be a one heck of a way to end the season. Um do you think Okay, so do you think they recast Luke or I hope not. Or or they do they recast or do Luke, they or do they introduce Luke shrouded in shadow with just Mark Hamill's voice? Like he's wearing cloak, maybe Return of the Jedi style. He's kind of in the shadows a little bit. I I I I would think if they recast Luke, I think the only guy who could pull it off, and I, I've seen I've seen stuff. The the guy who plays um from from Captain America, I don't Watch yeah, Bucky. Movies. I'm blanking on his yeah, name. Yeah, but uh, Sebastian, whoever. Sebastian. I don't I know. Say Sebastian Shaw, but that's not. Is that right? <laughs> that, that, or is that, that the other that, one? Put it this way: the guy who plays Bucky. That's the only person I think they could actually. If you hear swirling rumors, which is not happening here, because I don't think it's going to happen. I'm one of those thinking it's going to be somebody else. Hmm. I I would hope. I understand the tying everything together because they are. It was pointed out in the last episode. They are starting to see something happening in the Outer Rim. This is supposed to tie into everything of the First Order. You can see starts tying into this, that, and the other thing. I think when it comes to this, 
I would think it would be somebody that would come from Luke's Academy who would come get the child and take him to Luke's Academy. I don't, I don't want to see it be, I understand people want to see Luke in his prime. I completely understand because I would have loved to have seen that in the sequel trilogy. I just don't want to see it. Yeah, I feel like it's too late to see Luke in his prime, but I would love to. It would blow minds if they did. But I don't know. It would be quite the cliffhanger for the end of season two. That's for sure. Yeah, but there's there's not many episodes left. That's the thing. Well, I think I think honestly, I think they have a they have a break next episode next next episode where they're kind of on their way to Tython. Uh, right. Probably actually next week is the Boba Fett episode. I think we get an answer to Boba Fett next week, and then. And then the week after that, they probably go to Tython and maybe it's a two-parter like, like the last season, something happens on Tython, maybe Moff Gideon shows up, there's a showdown with Moff Gideon and then it ends with mm-hmm. a Jedi walking out of the shadows, whoever that is. Mm-hmm. Boom. So, done. so since you brought up, brought up Moff Gideon, let's kind of circle back to the magistrate. Cause I know that's <laughs> kind of like, you know, but cause, cause you have to realize we've got you've got so much Ahsoka going on in this Mandal- episode. Pardon? There's so much going on in this episode. I know there's so much going on in this episode because yeah. you got to get to the point to where you finally see something you never th- well um uh Captain Lang never thought he would see a Jedi and a Mandalorian actually teaming up. Which is funny cuz like you know I I did like a how Ahsoka kind of like scoffs at the Mandalorian statement because uh she knows like the Jedi and the Mandalorian's team up regularly at least mm-hmm. when she's involved right yeah but i i like i like how that played out mm-hmm. that you've got ahsoka tano basically teaming up the mandalorian to go and basically break out the people from their 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 their, their let's say prison that they're in by this magistrate so they have to go ahsoka basically goes the best way into this takes out the guards at the beginning gets inside the gates just casually strolls up in front of the magistrate and takes his paladin with the mud horn and just puts it down in front of her. Like you sent this Mandalorian to kill me. I bested him. Yeah, it was very well, uh, very well shot. I, lo- I love just seeing the pauldron, the Mandalorian's pauldron, like, fly, you know, fall to the floor and the, the, you know, the magistrate and everyone think that she has taken out the uh, taking him out and you know she proceeds to 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 fight off all of them and of course the mandalorian shows himself shows up and and you know rescues just in time rescues the um the the citizens who were imprisoned on those um uh what were they called the uh they're basically just call them torture devices because man honestly they looked like a someone hung up on a cross really like a yeah. star wars version of a cross like someone yeah you know but, tied but to these electric like electric stabs in them and you could the coolest thing about it, it not the coolest shock thing, but one of the yeah. very interesting you could see the skeletons when they got shocked oh, it's like you could see that oh god creepy no brutal. way i'd want to be in one of those absolutely brutal absolutely brutal um but yeah i, th- I think we we should talk about the fight scene though because we talked about all sorts of references so far one of the things i loved as well about this episode the fact that the droids, like they brought in HK eighty seven droids from Knights of the Old Republic. HK forty seven, of course, was the classic companion you got to, you 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 could you could you know recruit into your journey, and 
you know, he, he was known for constantly saying meat bags, call, calling people meat bags. And it is so cool to see a, 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 a more modern version of that model droid in the series, the HK 87. That I appreciated. The one thing about the fight scene, I would actually have loved to have seen a little bit more of the fight between Ahsoka and the magistrate. Mm. I appreciated the cutting back and forth because you got to see the head game that was going out side the gates between Mandalorian and Captain, uh, Captain Lang. But I would love to have seen real lightsaber battle. Which you got to see it back and forth, but not a lot of it, especially it up felt, against that Mandalorian. Sword. It felt a lot like Maul versus Obi Wan, but in that case, we knew it was two highly trained masters of their right. uh, of 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 uh, dueling, mm. who were kind of facing off against each other, and the fight was just over over in a, in a blink. In right. this case, this is someone we don't know what her background is and stuff, but she's someone who is a we again we don't know much about her but she, does she can she really go up against a jedi and yeah she's got a beskar staff that she was able to use to deflect the ahsoka's lightsaber and stuff but like the fact that she was able to knock one of ahsoka's lightsabers out of her hand mm-hmm. i'm shocked she was able to hold her own and i don't know why she was able to hold her own you know it sounds like she was someone in charge of like shipyards in in you know yeah she was a very evil person but she's like the best duelist yeah. So I think, and this is, like this, I point. wish this was explained better in the episode. Yeah. I wonder yeah. how much of that is influenced from Thrawn himself. That's what I was going to say. Like we, from Rebels, and even in the Thrawn novels now as well that Zahn has done, they've been building up Thrawn as a, a martial expert to some degree as well. Um, in Rebels, we, there's this scene famously of like him taking out a bunch of the battle droids um, in his office for fun. I could see that if, you know, depending on how the magistrate, what the relationship is and how much of a protege she is versus like some random person that works for him. I could see some of that coming through. Um, In general, I tend to agree with you. I expect Ahsoka would wipe the floor with her for the purposes of an an actual episode that's interesting to watch, though. I'm okay with that not being the case. Well, and and you'd think that even why not... um, like I don't even know why Ahsoka just didn't throw her into the water, <laughs> you know, just like whoop. Uh, that's what I mentioned at the beginning. Like I actually, I think, really appreciated that everything in this, in the Mandalorian. Uh, I want to say I keep wanting to say like the Mandalorian universe, but that's not right. But it kind of is. Like everything mm. is much more toned down in physics, if you will. Like we do. Like Ahsoka's one flip, which is really cool, is very very tame compared to like the fight between anakin and obi-wan in episode three for example it is much more in line with like the fight we get between obi-wan and vader in episode four it is more measured it is uh i i william william and tom i think you both mentioned this episode is in many ways like a tribute to like kurosawa type uh films Mm -hmm. uh this fits right at home with that ahsoka you know doing a triple flip into the courtyard and force pushing the magistrate into the water and like all this type of stuff. Like it would be cool to see, but it doesn't fit with the aesthetic that I think they were going for. And on top of that, it would have been too easy and it would have been just over you. you and that, that's the one thing it's like, I would have loved to have seen 
a little bit more, and and I was wrong. It's a spear, not a sword. But I would love to see more of the Beskar spear in action. I did appreciate that you did mention one of the sabers got knocked in the water, and it was great to see, you know, Rosario Dawson pull the backhanded lightsaber uh, fighting from that point. And it used to her advantage because that was the way she was able to disarm the magistrate and get the uh, spear away from her and basically get to the not killing. Well, no, not killing stroke of, but basically get to her and just say, where is Grand Animal Thrawn? You know, that's, I just would love to have seen a little bit more of the fight. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the the Beskar's uh, spear was cool. I thought it Mm -hmm. was very clangy. Very loud. Um, it was pure Besker. Cool. I mean that yeah. that was the that was the biggest thing she you know when she first went to the Mandalorian and showed him the spear for payment. It's pure Beskar because when he tapped that sucker on his armor and the ring that came out of it, yeah, and it's it always seen pure. out of like with the man the the why am I blanking the armorer in season one? Yep, the armor. Consistent that like Beskar is apparently really loud if you bang it against things. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I I guess not my favorite fight scene, but I, I on my second viewing, I was able to appreciate it a lot more for what it was influenced by. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and then I, I guess you know, Ahsoka eventually defeats the magistrate. We don't really know what happens to her aside from the fact that she is deposed, because um, a, a governor wing uh, takes over as the new magistrate. Uh, I think he probably was the magistrate and it was the, uh, this, this magistrate basically deposed him and he just got his rightful, um, his time. That's back. true. That's true. And I, and I did yeah. like the, you know, in the celebration at the end, uh, we got some nice, uh, diegetic music in the background. That's, you know, music that the, the people in the episode are actually hearing. And we actually get the, the Mandalorian's theme, like this part of the party, which is, you know, a, a neat twist on the music we've heard before um also tom i I believe you were saying i I actually didn't realize this but the 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 gentleman who plays governor wing uh his name is wing tao chow apparently Mm -hmm. is a a disney legend and a a a, a famous uh you know what and it caught me by surprise i supposedly um his name is wing tao chow he is a Disney Imagineer, and supposedly he's a Disney. He was a Disney Imagineer for like thirty something years. Wow. He worked on uh, Tokyo Disney. I, I don't know his backstory, but he was for thirty something years working for you know the Walt Disney Company, and he supposedly became a Disney legend. I think a couple years ago. Hmm. So that's cool. I didn't know any of this. It just on a website that I that I've been doing research on because getting prepped for the show. This popped up. That's cool, and it explains why yeah. his 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 real first name is his name, the name of his character, just Governor Wing. Yeah. So yeah, that's neat. That's cool. That's really cool. Um, you know, we talked about most of the ending, but I also liked the 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 scene where uh, I'll I'll use their their real names. Din Djarin goes to collect Grogu, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> give him to Ahsoka, and we have this really nice touching goodbye. Like Mando even waits while the child sleeps kind of rocking him in his hammock and kind of almost overnight or for some extended period because you almost see the sadness of like mando thinks he's going to part with the child for good until ahsoka shows up and refuses to train him and sends him off to tython instead 
it was, it was, a, it was a really nice moment and it kind of reinforces mm-hmm. the bond that the two have now. Yeah. I think that's going to be interesting going forward. Let's say they do get to the, the planet Tython Grogu's the child, sorry, sits on the stone call out goes to a Jedi. That's the other question. If the child reaches out into the force and one of the very few Jedi left in the galaxy hears it, they're not going to just show up right then and there. It's going to be another couple episodes before whoever this Jedi is going to show up, shows up. It's just going to be boom overnight. I doubt it's going to be the cliffhanger going into the the end of the season. It's got to be between, you know, the Mando and Moff Gideon, because remember the Razor Crest has a tracking device on it. That's got to play out as well. Yeah. Yeah. they're, They're still being tracked. And I wonder if Moff Gideon will just show up on Tython. That's what I expect. Yeah, I expect that's probably, that's going to probably be the cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's going to be, it's going to be really, really interesting. I um, yeah, I can't wait to see, I can't wait to see where they go. Yep, I can't wait to see where they I, go. I think we say that with, at the end of every episode. We cannot wait to see where I they're know, going. But I think this one in particular has oh, like before it was like oh, we know they're going after the Jedi, or we know. Or then maybe is that Ahsoka? Is that you know he's going after his, his people, right? Is that is that Ahsoka? Is that the Jedi? It turns out it's both. Mm-hmm. Um, now we know that they're sending him to Tython. Another Jedi is going to come out and out of the, from somewhere and and um, and and see them. Yeah, it's. I honestly don't really know where the show goes after that. It's there's a lot yeah. of potential. There's yep. a lot of potential out there. So. Well, I, what do you think? Should we get to reviews? I think we should. Yes. Uh, Steven, you want to go first? You would make me go first, William. <laughs> um, I, I, I should have spoke up. I should have spoke up. But go ahead, Steven. So I, I'm going to give this, I think, a 9 out of 10. For me, this was um, one of the better episodes we've had since the beginning of the season. Um, I loved seeing the introduction of Ahsoka into live action. Um, other than I wish they'd put a little more effort, not, it's not even effort. I shouldn't say that. I think they did put effort into it. I wish they had more budget to throw at the full costume. So we got a little bit better of the Montrails and kind of a little more flexibility there. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought you did a fantastic job. I really appreciate the twist on the story. The Mandalorian comes to a town, he gets sidetracked, he goes on a quest, but instead of getting betrayed, he's the one who does the betraying. Great. I appreciated the mix up kind of on the formula. Um, and overall, I just thought it was a really enjoyable episode. Um, and it obviously has a bunch of different hints and things to what might come. And I have my tinfoil hat stacked up and I'm excited for all of them. Um, <laughs> and I, we, I, we, I didn't mention one thing because I almost forgot about it, but I'm going to do this with my Wombrats. Uh, inside the town of, uh, was it, it's not Contrado, that's something different. Calado? Calada? What? Caladan. <laughs> Caladan, thank you. Uh, because this is Dave Filoni writing and directing, there is a brief shot of the Lothcat there you go. around the mm-hmm. town. Uh, and of course, it's very important that you have Lothcats in your towns because that's how you keep nine Womp Rats from eating everyone's food. So that will that will be my rating. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. Cool. Tom? When I, when I finished watching the episode, like I said, when, I, when we started this, when we started recording this podcast, the first thing that came to my mind was um, should have been Shakti. Okay. 
when I finished this episode, the first thing that came to my mind was the rating of an eight. Okay. I'm giving it an eight five. I, I really love this episode. I liked what they did. I just don't know why the first thing that came to my mind was that the episode was an eight. And I, I still am just going to give it that extra point. I don't know if I can give it a nine. I don't think I can give it a 10. I think right now it is the, it is the getting used to seeing Ahsoka being live action and maybe watching it the fourth time. It's going to grow on me. And by that time, it's probably going to get a nine, but I'm I'm sticking with my 8.5. I enjoyed this episode. I think Rosario Dawson is going to bring a lot of depth to this character because it's now hers. Love actually Eckstein. I I just appreciate that character, but this is now Rosario Dawson's character. I am really excited to see how she's going to bring the character forward in this medium. And I'm going to say for a lot of people in this new medium because we've had her in the old medium of animation. So I've got faith in her. She's going to pull it off. Um, and then also, probably, I would have liked to have seen more of the fight between her and the magistrate. So that's probably why I'm giving it an 8-5, because I think I got a little bit cheated on the fight scene. I would have loved to have seen more of that. But I am taking my 8.5 Womp Rats and realize when the Mandalorian walked into town and the first person he approached was a vendor. And he goes, excuse me, vendor. And she walked away. Little did he know that behind that underneath those domes was romp rat stew because the town's got to eat. Yum. That sounds yeah. good. <laughs> um, oh, this is, this is a tough one. This is, I honestly, I've been going back and forth on this the last uh, Just 36 hours or so. Use the force, William. Um, Trust your feelings. If, if you'd asked me, right after i saw it i would have said six five i was not a fan Mm -hmm. um but it's grown on me it's grown on me the last couple viewings um i've already said many of the reasons uh many of the reasons why you know i think you know some people i've seen some people complain about like yeah her the montreals are shorter than they were they're more like the clone wars than they were in rebels that's fine that she's being translated to live action i loved seeing you know, like this is the first time we've seen lightsabers in the Mandalorian. You know, the, yeah. the fact that she even switches into her, you know, signature one-handed reverse grip, like all these amazing things. And and um, and Ludwig Garnson did a phenomenal job incorporating Ahsoka's theme throughout the episode and Yoda's theme. It just brought that emotion. Uh, and, you know, having heard that so much throughout Dave Filoni's previous series, and, and it was just it was really, really nice. Um, and even some of the action was really cool. I also really liked the moment where we didn't talk about this, but where the Mandalorian briefly fights, uh, Ahsoka and like, you know, he like, uh, captures her with a grappling line and she jumps over the tree and like strings him up. Uh, some really cool, cool stuff there. The smile well. on her face got me at that point. Cause she, when she looked up, she got that little smile on her face. And yeah. Jumped. yeah. Yeah. And you know, and the, we talked to, you know, I, I I like. I really enjoyed uh, a lot of the action. I love seeing the AK droids. I love seeing um, uh, the the fact that like th- she's going after Thrawn. We probably will never see it in this series, but it's still a nice name drop. We even got to see Morai in the tree, the 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 convor who was always seen uh, alongside Ahsoka more recently. Um, that was a nice little touch as well. Kind of blink and you miss it, but really cool to see. Um, I was less a fan of 
you know, as, as I said, Rosario Dawson's portrayal of Ahsoka, I don't think, I feel like the child's backstory and development makes a whole lot of sense at this point. Um, but maybe they'll be able to explain that. Um, you know, and, and the action wasn't, I wouldn't say my favorite, but it was well done in a nice homage, homage to, um, old, you know, old Westerns and the Kira Kurosawa films and everything. So overall, I think I'll have to give this, uh, I think I'm actually going to raise it up to a, to an eight. Um, where, you know, I thought it was, it was overall well done. I liked a lot of the, a lot of what they did. Mostly it's the fact that like Alden Ehrenreich, Rosario Dawson still does not feel like Ahsoka to mm-hmm. me. Um, but you know, maybe, maybe it'll, it'll change and she'll get there. And it was just cool to see Ahsoka, you know, Dave Filoni, he wrote and directed this episode and obviously Ahsoka is his, his character and he, he did a great job. I thought it was very well done and I'm, I'm excited to see where they, they take the rest of the, the season. So I'm going to give it, um, eight Womp Rats, uh, out of 10. And, Ooh, these, uh, these eight Womp Rats. Um, uh, well, you, you've always wondered, uh, how they make the, the Montrails, but they just stuff the, the Womp Rats inside. <laughs> That's why it's a little lumpy in the, in, in live action. Yeah. Disturbing, William. Thank you for that lovely mental I, image. I, I thought my Womp Rats too was disturbing. Uh, but you know what? Look, regardless of of overall thoughts, I wanted to give this a 10. I really did. Regardless, it's so cool to see Ahsoka in live action. And I, and I, and I do hope we see more of her, even if I wasn't a huge fan of Rosario, Rosario Dawson in, in general. So I think the biggest thing that have to understand we've got to it's a translation of going from animation to live action it's going to take a little bit to get used to and i'm sure rosario dawson has got a lot of respect for the character because she really pushed to play this character Mm -hmm. and dave filoni is going to make sure she does it right so i you know what i have all faith in dave filoni he picked the perfect person who wanted to play the character and hopefully she will pull it off because now the character is hers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We will see where she takes it. I wouldn't be surprised if we get, she gets her own series. So It well, will be had, interesting. I just hope they yeah, fix her, yeah. her head thingy a little oh, bit. Me too. I, but, I just want to get an, an announcement so we can stop speculating and know that we're having <laughs> the great, I don't even know, like crossover and every character that you've ever heard of is going to be in it. <laughs> Uh, yes, I can't, anyway, I can't wait. We'll, we'll see what happens next week, uh, with, uh, chapter 14. So that's, that's what's coming up next week on the podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. Ahsoka's back guys. And we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. For over a decade, Ion Cannon has covered every corner of the saga, from the films and animated series like The Clone Wars and Rebels, to books, comics, games, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help this show grow within the Star Wars community. We can be found at our website, ioncannoncast.com, and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter. To email us, you can do so at contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, The Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.